0: And this is View the Valleys podcast, episode 24 with T.J. Hoover and Chris Smith. T.J., how are you doing?
1: I'm doing really well tonight, you know. Uh, basketball E4, since we're recording this on Tuesday, before everything's supposed to kick off, but there's still kind of, uh, you know, the uncertainty of everything going on and coming up on Thanksgiving, which is my absolute favorite holiday of the year, and at the school we've started our uh, thanksgiving break so things are going pretty well my oldest came home from college so he's gonna be home for the next two months <laughs> since they're not going back to physical classes after thanksgiving so uh, maybe there may be some growing pains there's some readjustment pains with a, a teenager it's definitely had an impact on the amount of leftovers that are left in
0: our house <laughs> Oh, i'm sure
1: how, how about you how are things on your end
0: uh, things are going good first off happy early thanksgiving since we're recording this uh, on tuesday But, yeah, I'm looking forward to this week. You know, College Hoops tips off tomorrow. And that just goes, you know, so well with, you know, the Thanksgiving holiday coming up on Thursday. It's going to be a great couple days. I'm sure from the time we're recording now, which is Tuesday night, till, you know, games start tomorrow morning, I'm sure we'll still find some games that end up being, you know, canceled right down to the last second, you know. You see, you see uh, John Rothstein and Jeff Goodman, who I don't think sleep, and I don't think they right. are off their phones or off Twitter for more than thirty seconds at a time, because it seems like they're just rolling out new tweets about games canceled, teams moving to this event, teams switching opponents. I mean, it's constant, and I feel like tomorrow, you know, we may even see games that are supposed to happen at like two p.m. and it may. Be as late as one thirty, and that game might get canceled.
1: Uh, for sure, and then you know you have coaches uh, testing positive as well, and uh, it. I, I I am not confident this season is going to go off, even as um, smoothly as I had envisioned, with it not being that, envision not being very smooth to begin with. You know, because uh, I think we were talking about it before, but Wichita State was supposed to play in South Dakota. But they got there and had a positive test, so they had to cancel their their game. And then it was a was VCU was supposed to play Tennessee, but Rick Barnes tested positive, the head coach of Tennessee. So then VCU has flown to South Dakota State to take Wichita State's spot in that uh, tournament, which was originally supposed to be uh, in the Caribbean someplace, I think.
0: Yeah, I think you're right.
1: So yeah, it's it'll be all sorts of craziness, and then of course we we'll dive into it too. But you know, just uh, was it earlier this week or late last week, the uh, Missouri Valley Conference scrapped their entire conference schedule because they're going to change that up as well.
0: Yeah, it's things are moving a lot faster than I think some people are wanting them to move. With you know, not not necessarily saying faster and getting the season here, but. When you think you have something set, then you don't. You know, I I can't imagine being an athletic director right now. They may not sleep. And I bet at some of these, you know, larger schools, you know, most schools probably have that assistant athletic director or, you know, another title for somebody that helps out that AD. I think this year they may, they might have a couple. (laughs) They may have hired on an extra person to help out with all the chaotic mess that's happening.
1: Yeah, and the, you know, the coaches have so much control over that, too, that that's just an added stressor. Like, it's not enough that you're worried about your kids and trying to get your kids ready to play. And now you have, you're out there, you know, you and your staff are uh, scrambling for games and trying to figure out where you can go and who you can play and what's a safe scenario for your team, et cetera. Not to mention the other logistics that go with, you know, getting a game set up or going to play a game. You know, there's just an endless number of uh, rabbit holes that you get down to when it comes to those types of things.
0: Absolutely. While we were on the topic of Wichita State, uh, just recently, you know, with the the coaching changes going on at Wichita State, you know, Greg Marshall resigning, uh, Billy Kennedy, one of, you know, we had him on earlier in the year and looks like he's going to be one of the assistant coaches on the uh, new staff for Wichita State. Yeah,
1: excited for Billy. You know, that's definitely something he expressed to us that he was looking to get back at uh, another coaching gig and uh, maybe this will be his road back to finding another head coaching job somewhere uh, soon. Yeah, you so definitely him.
0: Yeah, you definitely hope so. I mean, when you look at what he's done over the last, you know, basically 15, you know, 20 years, you know, he was at Southeastern Louisiana, but then he basically got it running at Murray State. You know, they went to the NCAA tournament back in 09-2010 and with the success they had during those years with Isaiah Cannon you know it took him to Texas A&M and he he basically put Texas A&M back on the map too and I it was last year in 2018-19 uh, campaign they were below 500 but he's got 361 career wins so it's an absolute absolutely great hire in my opinion for Wichita State and with everything out in the news about you know Greg Marshall and how he, you know, maybe handled some of the situations and handled, you know, talking to the players and whatnot. Uh, Coach Billy Kennedy seems to be the complete opposite. You know, all all you've heard is, you know, good things about how he treats his players. You know, he's more or less soft-spoken, if you will, to whereas, you know, Greg Marshall, you know, complete opposite. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I, I would say just from talking to him, and I don't remember a lot about Coach Kennedy's Z head coach, but just from talking to him, I would have the impression that his his blood boils a little bit lower than uh, Coach Marshall's does. It probably you know, Kennedy comes across the guys if he starts yelling, you've really crossed the line, and to get him fired up to that degree. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I th- I think you're absolutely right. But we'll get into the episode here uh, during today's or this week's episode. We'll go over some of the Ohio Valley, Missouri Valley news and notes. We'll also get into a couple of the team previews as the season's quickly approaching. TJ's got two from the Missouri Valley, and I have two from the Ohio Valley. And then we'll also do a kind of fun Thanksgiving segment, uh, since you know that is the time of year. Get a little different twist to the episode this week, and then next time we're next time we record and you know upload an episode, you know we'll already be a weekend of college basketball, and it should be uh should be a lot of news and uh, stuff to talk about, especially come that following episode.
1: Yeah, you know who knows how many games we'll have to talk about, but <laughs> at least we we'll have some actual basketball to talk about for once, and that'll be a change for us. So, for sure, a first too.
0: But first things first, TJ. We'll uh, we'll get into some of the news and notes surrounding you know our two conferences, and the first thing I wanted to mention here. Uh, we we talk a lot about men's basketball on this podcast, but I do think it is worth noting uh, women's basketball. Semo is playing host to fifth-ranked Louisville. Saw that on Twitter yesterday via Semo's uh, Twitter feed, and you know, all things aside, I know you know everything in 2020 things are getting shuffled around. But regardless, I for an Ohio Valley school to host a ranked team, let alone a top five team, I think it's huge. You know, it, it it's a it's a big program boost for, you know, SEMO and it also helps out the OVC image as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, and you know, kudos to them for getting a program like Louisville to come in and Louisville being willing to come in. And uh hopefully they put out a good show. You know, I think in Missouri they're allowing people to attend, but who knows how I many people will be uh, very interested in that game uh, you know day before Thanksgiving and uh, you know women's basketball just doesn't draw as well as as men's basketball, but hopefully they'll be able to get a crowd there and uh, put on a good show for everybody.
0: yeah, I'm not sure how many fans they're allowing at the game. Uh, I did see where it said you know get your limited or get some tickets while they last you know limited amount you know of attendance you know will be allowed at the game but I couldn't find what number they were actually, you know cutting it off at. Right. So I think it'd be interesting to see what number they go with. It might be out there and I just didn't see it. But you
1: had No, some- cuz I, oh, I I looked at the the men's game when Simo was supposed to play SIU the week after Thanksgiving, so next week. And They definitely were selling tickets, but again, I didn't see anything like, hey, we're going to limit it. They're just going to space people out and they're running specials like they were still, you know, having, you know, wanting more people to get in. You know, they had some pretty good ticket deals for people that were interested, so.
0: Sure. While we're on the, uh, while we're on the topic here, I know you had mentioned uh, the Missouri Valley was scrapping their schedule essentially, and basically, kind of, you know, they're just saying the heck with it. They're going to be redoing it,
1: right? Um, yeah. So, came out last week that they've have kind of eliminated their conference schedule. Not eliminated, but they're they're uh, reworking it. And reports are that they're going to, uh, when a team visits, they have four game or four instances where a team will travel to an, another location and they will play that team twice so for example if illinois state travels to drake they will go to drake they will play one game and then and that's what's not quite clear yet so if they play the first game on friday and they'll turn around and they'll play drake again still on drink drake's campus i don't know if they'll play that saturday or if they'll wait till sunday to kind of split it up but that's what they're going to do so they'll have four situations like that on the road then they'll have four more like that at home and then they'll have a team that they'll play a home and home with and logic seems to be that they're going to put them with what they're going to call a travel partner so i think you can envision that Drake in northern iowa they will have a home and home with each other illinois state and bradley a home and home Valpo and loyola and then they'll put together Evansville and indiana state and then the kind of the outliers of the conference southern illinois and missouri state and that's speculation. I don't know that I've seen anything solid, but I think that, that logically makes sense that those schools that are closest to each other, they'll let them play a home-at-home. Home. But uh, for the foreseeable future in Illinois, they're not allowing fans in. Uh, Chicago's definitely locked down a lot harder, and then we've seen numbers really spike in Iowa in the last couple of weeks, too, so I don't know what their numbers are going to look like, either. But it'll be, it'll be interesting, you know. Yeah, on one hand, I understand that you need to limit travel. You limit the amount of times that your team's staying in different hotels. But it can also have, you know, an injury can have a much bigger impact on you, too. So, like, when Loyola and uh, Northern Iowa play each other, well, if Cameron Crutwick gets hurt in that first game, he does he get to play in the second one. That's huge, as opposed to, hey, it's two weeks down the road and, you know, he can be prepared for that again. And what difference does it make when you know, without crowds or with limited crowds, I mean, it's home court advantage is as big a deal. Or, you know, I'm sure that Porter Moser would much rather play Northern Iowa and Chicago than, you know, go to their place and play two games there. So how is that going to balance things out? And obviously you're going to look at what happens if and when they start postponing or canceling games too. That's going to be, how are they going to fit those games in? What's the plan after that?
0: Well, transitioning, you know, from that TJ will, you know, basically just flow right into some of the games this week. And you know, as of right now, the games that we're about to talk about, they are currently on. Um, they're not canceled or postponed at this point. But on the OVC side of things, TJ, I'll get it rolling here. A uh, couple good games, or a couple games that OVC teams are playing some highly ranked teams, which you know give the OVC you know s- some good publicity and ultimately some good, uh, good level of competition for the OVC programs heading into uh, you know conference play because you don't have too many non-conference games you can really work on things so you know sometimes right. the tougher opponents you play help prepare you for you know your level of conference play you know a couple weeks down the road but you got Moorhead State they play in-state uh, foe Kentucky you know they're ranked tenth in the Bluegrass Showcase that'll be on the SEC network that's Wednesday so tomorrow night. Uh, siu Evertsville's playing in the Billiken Classic, which looks like it's SIUE, St. Louis, or SLU, um, LSU is traveling up, and then looks like St. Louis College of Pharmacy is at four school. They're a Division III school. Uh, so it looks like those will be the four teams in that. So looks like SIUE might get three games out of that deal, barring any weird yeah, uh, turn of events.
1: I, I think SIUE's uh, e. only or the only game that uh, St. Louis College of Pharmacy is playing is SIU-Edwardsville, from what I've seen. I haven't seen them scheduled to play oh, okay. LSU or St. Louis yet, so maybe that's just a game for SIUE. That could be. I would think. I can't imagine that oh. Slew and uh, <laughs> LSU would want to play that
0: game. Uh, you wouldn't think so. Uh, Tennessee Tech, they're playing Indiana. They'll be on the Big Ten mm-hmm. Network. Jacksonville State against Alabama, SEC Network. And then... Basically, after that Tennessee Tech and Indiana game finishes, you have another OVC game on. Eastern Illinois is playing in that MTE against seventh-ranked Wisconsin. So, just just tomorrow alone, Wednesday the twenty-fifth, a lot of a lot of tough games for OVC opponents. Right. That'll uh, you know it, you know really get the blood flowing for a lot of these players. Which and and I'll I'll be honest, you look at some of these spreads. Kentucky's currently twenty-three and a half point favorites over Moorhead, and then you know Eastern Illinois, nineteen point underdogs against Wisconsin. Yeah, the spreads are going to be high just because you would think that's what would happen with a ranked team playing an OVC member. But as we talked about, you've seen it in college college football. Those, the spreads are high, and it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of mid-majors play a lot closer to those uh, spreads just with the lack of atmosphere and attendance at these games.
1: Right, and just pure, pure fact that they're, they're just starting out too. So, sure. You know, those, those bigger schools, those uh, traditional Blue Bloods, if you will, they're definitely trying to get their feet under them as well. You do guys playing together. Uh, nobody's played since early March. And uh, so there's definitely plenty for those guys to work on. Maybe that's why you're seeing uh, those types of things take place, you know, and and hopefully we'll see some competitive games. I mean, looking at the OBC schedule, some other games that jump out throughout the weekend. uh, Is it, you know, Eastern Illinois plays at Butler on Sunday. You know, that's, that's kind of a high profile game, although I'm not seeing it advertised to be on a game or on a network yet. And, uh, Eastern Illinois at Marquette. That's another one that jumps out at you when you look at it. And then uh,
0: Eastern's got a brutal stretch here to open the season.
1: Yeah. Um, so that that's what stood out to me. Belmont versus George Mason. I always you know, think of George Mason as a program. As sure. They've had some success in the past. I'm not sure where they've been at the past couple of years, but definitely a name-worthy program in my mind. Maybe that's just the old man in me, too.
0: No, i I, I think you're right. You know, George Mason... You know, obviously, probably not going to get to not going to get to the final four a lot. You know, they did it. You know, the one year, you know, however many years back, but still, it's a good matchup program for program against Belmont and George Mason. You know, inside that Paradise Jam uh, MTE.
1: Yeah, on the uh, Missouri Valley side, you know, Illinois State opens up. Against Ohio State, number twenty-three Ohio State uh, on ESPN, the big ESPN. Um, Drake plays at Kansas State, so you know uh, Bruce Weber getting uh, picking up one of those valley schools from his days back at uh, SIU Carbondale, Bradley and Toledo, and then in the uh, Louisville MTE. They were supposed to play SIU to start off tomorrow, but SIU had to pause team activities because of a COVID outbreak and Evansville is not taking their place. And then Northern Iowa is playing Western Kentucky. So, I mean, I think most of those games in the OVC don't start until like five o'clock, but the NBC, they're playing in the middle of the day. Yeah, they are. They're playing uh one o'clock, one o'clock, two 15 and then two and a three o'clock hours. So you can get done watching MBC games and then flip over and uh, start watching OVC games. So. Yeah, it'll I... be interesting. And then Thursday, the game I'm I'm looking forward to. Hopefully, it happens is Northern Iowa, uh, possibly against Memphis on Thursday. So that would be really interesting to see that. And DeAndre Williams, that formerly of Evansville, he gets to play too. So it'll be uh, a good weekend for hoops. You know, usually we think of Thanksgiving and football, but we've been kind of uh, told that we have to wait here and uh, chomping at the bit and ready to watch some serious basketball this weekend.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll be honest, TJ. I am very jealous of of you and probably a lot of other people out there. You know, everyone's gonna get that chance to watch college hoops tomorrow. A lot, but I got you know, I'm in a stretch where I'm working twelve hour shifts here, and you know, I'll just be on my break and lunch trying to flip through as many games as I can to check the scores, maybe watch a few <laughs> minutes here and there, and. I'm just going to be thinking about college hoops all day and what what it could have been for me, but it's not. And I'm jealous. That's what it comes down to. I've
1: been there. I've been there. You know, my days of uh, working retail, I remember those days that I just, I still, when I I go past places like the mall or, you know, um, other big box stores when it comes close to Christmas and you just see all those cars out there, it's just, I have a severe aversion. Large crowds, probably just because of that. Oh, sure. Just uh, people kind of uh, act differently when it, it comes to Christmas time, and you know they're wanting everybody's cranky. So Is oh, I don't envy it this time of year. So, well, my hats well, off to you.
0: The one game I am kind of looking forward to it's it's on Thursday. Uh, really looking forward to seeing the Bradley Xavier uh, game. Right, I won't yeah, be able I've to watch it. Too. I won't be able to watch it, but. I'm interested to see on, you know, how close of a game that could be or how Bradley fares against, uh you know, the Musketeers.
1: Yeah, they will be uh, about the time sitting down to have that, that first Thanksgiving meal. So, at least for me. So, I, I didn't mean to rub it in there. I apologize.
0: <laughs> it is what <laughs> it is at this point. Just hoping maybe everything runs smoothly and I don't have to work a 12-hour shift and knock down to eight hours. And I can yeah. still watch some hoops and... A little football uh,
1: start working on that overtime baby that's what you're pushing towards.
0: oh it, it's 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 some good overtime let me tell you we had it the whole shift started you know this past Sunday so it put 12 hours in there went to the last paycheck and now everything now it's it's gonna be good It'll be a good time but mm. when it's all said and done it's college hoops baby you know I have TVs set up and try and get me off my couch probably won't work yeah <laughs> But, yeah, that's just some of the games on both sides of the conferences here, uh, you know, this week coming up. Outside of the two conferences, you know, you have, there's some marquee matchups, you know, this weekend especially. I think, uh, what is it, Kansas and Gonzaga? Isn't that, that's one of them, isn't
1: it? It could be. I'm not seeing that right now. I'm not saying you're wrong. Yep, that's on Thursday. Thursday? 12.30. So before the weekend. Time. So and Gonzaga's, you know, they've got uh, they just found out that a uh, one of their transfers, I just lost his name but they found out he was eligible so he's able to play against Kansas on Thursday. So and then Gonzaga turns right around and plays Auburn on Friday which, you know, they just came out and they've uh, self-imposed some sanctions and about some recruiting violations and mm-hmm. things like that. So be interesting to see what they bring to the table on Friday, given their, their season's kind of uh, up in the air now.
0: Now, that's that's always an area where I've always kind of wondered, you know, why do it? Are you trying to save yourself some, you know, backlash in the coming weeks? You know, when programs, you know, basically, you know, come down on themselves and put some violations throughout their program, you know, the university... Are they doing that because they know something would probably happen and they're hoping that if they they catch it before it happens, then the NCAA may say, well, you know, you guys took control early. You know, We're going to back off here and we'll let you guys just deal with it on your own.
1: Yeah, I think that's part of it because one of those weird rules or those weird punishments that the NCAA will have will be lack of institutional control. And maybe that reestablishes some of that. And, you know, maybe it's like the... Child equivalent of, you know, you got in trouble at school, but if you can tell mom first, <laughs> that maybe you can, you can soften the blow there instead of somebody else, like especially your teacher telling your mom what you did, and then you're really in trouble.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and I guess that's one way of <laughs> <laughs> that's one way of looking at it. Uh, but yeah, that's some of the games this week. Uh, I think a lot of people are looking forward to the college hoop starting, and there's going to be probably more games than ever, you know, nationally televised. Here on a lot of networks, as everyone is just grasping for, uh, you know, college hoops to start. So, with that, we'll move on to the MVC and OVC here with a couple of the team previews. TJ, I'll let you go first with your first run from the uh, Missouri Valley.
1: Uh, I have Indiana State going alphabetically uh, preseason uh, picked to finish, picked to finish fourth last year. They're eighteen and twelve, went eleven and seven in league play, finished third but were upset by Missouri State in the quarterfinals and what was a crazy day at Arch Madness, as everybody knows. Uh, key losses, uh, Jordan Barnes, who I, I really enjoyed watching him play over the years. I think he finished second-team all-conference last year. Then Bronson Kessinger, who we talked to Coach Lansing about when he was on the show a few months back, just loved you know, his uh his blue-collar style that he had, he guarded anybody that he needed to and overcame some uh, serious setbacks. I mean, Christian Williams is the other guy that's going to be a key loss. But they do return Tyreek who by all means should be another uh, – should have another first team all-conference season. Uh, Cooper Nice is a redshirt junior for them. And then their sophomore duo in Trey Williams and Jake L'Arabia. And Like I said before, Jake Laravia. Probably could have been a strong consideration for freshman of the year had uh, he started out a little bit quicker. But as it was, Marcus Damas from Southern Illinois had a really quick start to the season and kind of got out in front and kind of led the whole way. So I've always enjoyed watching the Sycamores play. Um, I think that the young core of Laravia and Williams should work well with Tyree key. And then, like I I mentioned before, Cooper needs, but I think Tyree keys, the guy that that runs this whole thing. Uh, I think they lacked some consistency last year. I think it's best examples that, you know, they had Loyola at their place and in Terre Haute, and they beat him by like 30 points, but then they turned around and lost at Illinois state. And I think they went on a three game losing streak and got beat pretty handily by Loyola in that uh, stretch there. I think Jordan Barnes is going to be big shoes to fill because uh, he, you know, had been a starter. What it felt like forever, for at least three years. I think he even played quite a bit as a freshman. And then, you know, who's going to take his place? Is it going to be T.J. Howard from Towson or Randy Miller, the transfer? He transferred in from NC Central as well. But people seem to be pretty high on this freshman, Julian Larry. So, I think that that's a big thing. And then, who are they going to have to kind of battle the other bigs in the league? Uh, they brought in a six ten freshman by the name of Nick Hittle that he played uh, for a prep school or a military academy up in northern Indiana. and uh, Kobe Barnes had seen some some time but he was kind of in and out in favor. It felt like with Coach dancing. And then they have a guy, a, a Juco transfer, and I'm gonna mess up his name. The dog dongo six eight junior, who's a Juco transfer. so I think those things could be, you know, and I think consistency is going to be the big thing defensively. Can they stand up against those guys like Cameron Crutwig, Austin Feist and Gage Prim uh, to kind of give their, their backcourt a chance to, to really do some things and keep them in games. Cause you know, they're going to play man-to-man that's sure. almost exclusively what coach Lanson does. And, you know, we, we've heard plenty about his contract situation that he hadn't been, you know, that he's in the of last year's contract. So, do those guys play with a sense of urgency for him? You know, the likes of Trey Williams and Jake Laravia. think that maybe they can build something there, but you know, I would think that they bought into coach Lansing and that's why they're in Terre Haute. So uh, it'll be a real interesting season to see how this plays out and how that contract situation can impact them moving forward. You know, is this Lansing's last year or is he going to have trouble getting any traction with recruits because he doesn't have that because he's acknowledged that, you know, the other schools in the conference use that against them, that, you know, those other coaches are saying like, well, we know you're interested in Indiana State. They haven't even given an extension. You don't know that he's going to be there next year. So how will that impact them moving forward as well?
0: Yeah, it'll, so. it'll be, uh, be interesting to see uh, what he can do for the program this year. I know we had him on and, you know, it's been known throughout the media that you know, people say that he is, you know, kind of on the hot seat, if you will. And you know, he's been in Indiana State a while and he's got some good transfers there. And I don't think it's any team to, you know, go 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 ahead and look past. I, I think they're gonna come sure. ready to play and I you know, he's obviously gonna be trying to save his job and there's gonna mm-hmm. be some games where maybe they're not expected to compete in and I think they go in and, you know, steal a win here and there. But the first team that I got for, you know, this week is Jacksonville State. They're picked to finish seventh in the Ohio Valley this season, coached by Ray Harper. And this is a team that, you know, didn't have a great record last year. They went 13-19. and 19 And, you know, we had Coach Harper on earlier in the year. This was, I think, his only losing season he's had thus far in the coaching ranks as a head coach which speaks volumes of you know what he's been able to do as a head coach during his 15 20 years as a coach but they may have had 19 losses last year but they were a lot more competitive than what that record would show they played a lot of close games they had 10 losses by 6 points or less including a 9 point loss to SMU to open up the season which was at SMU so you take those 11 games which were, you know, losses and then you you add in games against VCU and VCU Purdue and Tennessee. When they played Tennessee, Tennessee was ranked. So that's basically 14 game 14 of their 19 losses right there. You know, 10 losses by six points or less and then they played four four pretty solid uh, you know, high major uh, opponents.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: For sure. So you take. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You're fine. Yeah, you take that away from Jacksonville State, and and who knows what happens? You if if one or two possessions goes the other way, you you take. If they can win five of those games, you know they finish. You know with 18 wins, that they finish with a winning record. So just half those games completely flips the schedule, flips their seating in the OVC tournament, and on top of that. You know, this year you have Jacksonville State. They brought in transfer Brandon Huffman from North Carolina, and I think he could be a big factor in the Gamecocks' su- success this year. You know, he he played under uh, Roy um, Williams. Yeah, I'm just drawing a blank for whatever reason. Yeah, Roy Williams, and while he had great, you know, a great mentor in his coaching, you know, philosophy there at UNC, he also went up against some of the best in that uh, ACC you know he may not have had as many minutes played but he went up against in practice against the North Carolina starters and when he did get playing time you know he played inside that ACC so he was playing against high quality competition and with him transferring to the OVC obviously the OVC is not not up there in the premier uh, level like the ACC is so I think he could transition over and do pretty well inside the Ohio Valley Conference, especially around the rim.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people feel that Coach Harper's kind of hung his hat on interior defense, and it looks like he's really beefed that up this year because he's got, uh, looking at their roster, three kids at 6'10 or better, a couple more at six nine. I mean, that's what jumps out at you when you look at their roster. That seems like... They've got a lot of new faces. There's, you know, four Juco transfers, the Huffman kid out of North Carolina, then Darian Adams transferred in from Troy, and then New Nuzeme, I'm saying, that's my guess on his name, uh, transferred in from Georgia. I mean, he averaged six points a game at Georgia, and he comes in with two years of eligibility left. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how those pieces kind of come together and uh, see what uh, Coach Harper can do with those guys once they get into their schedule here.
0: Yeah, well, you see them, and those are some of the bigger transfers because they came from Power Five conference schools. But you also got to look at you know Damari King. He transfers in from a junior college. He's a guard, and while it's not you know Division One, you know junior college is nothing to you know look past. You know he shot he shot forty six percent from behind the arc, which you know I think he came out to making over one hundred and fifteen. Three pointers, if I remember correctly. So, if he can get on that same track in the OVC, him as a deep threat behind the arc, you know, Huffman around the rim to add in with the returning players at JSU, they could easily finish, you know, a lot better than seventh if you know certain things go their way.
1: Yeah, so. I mean, you never know. To the balls in the air, there all sorts of things could go your way or go against you. So. It'd be interesting. Like I said, I'm really interested to see how those pieces kind of come together and kind of get that cohesiveness. Cause I think of like on the MVC side last year, it felt like Missouri state had some cohesiveness issues with several new faces. So hopefully uh, coach Harper's is able to smooth those things over and, and build those guys into, you know, somebody work, a group working towards the same goal. So uh, the other team I had on my side for today is Loyola who's, you know, had the most success over the last you know, four or five years of any program in the, the Valley since uh, Wichita State left. MVC season, preseason, they were picked to finish second, which I thought was kind of surprising and I'll get into that, but 21-11 last year, 13-5 and five in the conference, they finished second in the conference. They lost to a very hot Valparaiso team in the quarterfinals. Key losses, they lost Bruno Skokna to graduation and Jalon Pipkins Uh, transferred out but key returners they bring everybody else back they bring all five of their starters plus cooper capis who missed last year because of an injury so he's coming back as a a key outside threat for them Uh, to me i i think it's conference title or bust you know i don't know i don't even know if finishing second or third and then winning the conference tournament I mean, I would easily, I mean, I would be happy with that. But I think you got to be thinking that this is kind of what you have built up for. Uh, they also added a guard, Oakland and Braden Morris. So I think I think that's going to be the difference between themselves and Northern Iowa this year is just the depth. They seem to have so much more depth than uh, Northern Iowa, especially for experienced players. I think, you know, you look at Cameron Crutwig, uh, should be playing for a be in the running for player of the year what i noticed last year is that he would catch a ball about free throw line extended and they would just drop off of them but they basically hey go ahead and shoot we're gonna let you do that and i think you missed one shot it just kind of got in your head because sometimes you know you get to play at that level and if you don't have somebody right in your eye you notice that more so than them being in your face and uh I, but he's still a great passer for the Ramblers. I think, you know, everything's going to run through him. There's, there's no secret about that. I think they need to shoot the ball from the perimeter more to ease up pressure and They shot really, really well. They just didn't shoot much. So, uh, but I think this team, if they can, they can bring those pieces together. I think this is a team that not only should they win the conference and win the, the conference tournament. I think they could make a run in the NCAA tournament. I'm not talking Final Four. I mean, you win a couple of games, find yourself in a Sweet 16, and you know, Crutwig is the the main piece left from that team. That uh, is seeing, you know, the rewards of that, and see how he plays. Because I think things are just different for a kid as a senior. He sees it as that his last chance to play, and it's just like I've said before, it's hard to explain to to kids what it's like when you know, hey, the the the, the bottom's coming up quickly, and uh, I want to make this count. So. Uh, I, I I see big things for Loyola this year. I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I love A.J. Green, love watching him play, but I just think that Crutwick's got more pieces around him to make this season go for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, is a big part of what Loyola could do success-wise. You know, if, if teams try and, you know, double-team him, then you start looking to where who can step up for Loyola to, you know, overcome, you know, let's say Crowick has a bad game. Who has the ability mm-hmm. to step up and put up the same type of numbers as him? I know Loyola's got a great team, but is there somebody that can step up and, you know, overcome the lack of points he could, you know, he could have in a game if a team locks him down defensively?
1: Well, I think they have so many guys. That it's not necessarily that one guy will have to pick it up. I think everybody picks up a little, you know, and – but I think your offense definitely changes, your floor presence definitely changes without Krutwig out there. Just how things flow. I think that's probably the bigger thing. Uh, instead of just replacing what he does out there on the floor, but just how you know the focus of your offense changes suddenly.
0: Okay. Second team on my list for this week is Moorhead State. Moorhead State coached by Preston Spradlin. And just like Jacksonville State had a little bit of a rough year last year. Also finished thirteen and nineteen. But the thing that stands out to me about Moorhead State, you know, when you look back at how they did last year, it was really a season of, you know, phases, flashes, droughts. They started off the year four zero, and then then they had a free fall. They went one and seven after that four and zero start. With that one win coming against IUPUI, and then from there they put together another good stretch, then a four-game losing streak. Then they won three, and they ended the season one and seven. So oh, it's tough. On third, on February sixth, of last year they beat SIU Edwardsville, and they were twelve and twelve. They were at five hundred, and then they came to a came to a halt. Went one and seven to finish off the year. So, when you look at their season, they went 13 and 19, but there were two stretches where they were combined 2 and 14. So, you take away, you know, a stretch there, it changes their whole aspect. So, if they can go into this season and get more uh, more of a pattern, if you will, or, you know, eliminate at least one of those bad stretches... Season completely flips because it wasn't like they weren't competitive last year; they just they just had some bad luck at times. And Morehead State this year, they're picked to finish behind Jacksonville State in the OVC preseason rankings. They were given eighty-seven points, which Jacksonville State was given one twenty-four. So a little bit of a drop there from the top right. seven to eight. And as you know, the OVC only keeps those top eight for the tournament. So. Hopefully they'll be able to get things figure out more on a consistent basis because last year they lacked the consistency, which led to the that stretch of two and fourteen throughout the season. But I think if if Coach Spradlin wants to uh, continue in, continue at Morehead State, I think this is the year where they need to improve. This will be his fourth full season. On staff there as the head coach, so they're going to need to see some improvement. I feel like nothing against him or the program, but typically when you see a guy in his fourth or fifth year, that's where you know the the athletic department and university as a whole wants to start and see you know some improvement. You know that they're getting closer to that 500 mark or better. You know, are they advancing? through the conference tournament. You know, you're not necessarily saying you have to win that conference tournament, but are right. you getting past that first round? Are you being competitive in that tournament? So they do have some transfers that came in this year. Jalen Sabri from FAU and Skylar Potter from Wright State. So, you know, Coach Spratlin's doing his part and his staff's, you know, obviously doing their part as well. They're trying to get some transfers coming in. And it if they can if they can somehow steal a couple wins from the, basically that top six in the OVC, things can mm-hmm. change in an instance for Morehead State. You know, it, a lot of a lot of people say Morehead's a tough place to play. It's kind of considered part of that Death Valley trip. You know, nobody likes to go on that stretch with that university being included in that stretch. So if they can figure out the consistency level or the fine line of it. I don't think Moorhead state will be as bad as what their projected ranking is somewhat, you know, saying.
1: Yeah. You know, it'd be interesting. You know, they get uh, Devon Cooper back who missed last year with that injury. And then uh, the the sophomore ties on, I'm going to say ties on Claude came on really big last year you know uh, reports are that he had 12 and a half points per game at the back end of their season which was almost double what he had in the first half of their season so you know maybe he could continue on that 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 build up and uh, start to find his footing and, and take some leadership there and maybe they got be the guy they go to down the down the stretch here
0: well you know cooper's coming back and he wasn't necessarily One of the most vital parts of the Eagles offense last year, you know, point wise, he only averaged seven points per game last year, which technically wasn't too far off from the team lead. But when you look at their team lead, the most points per game was just over 12 for Moorhead State. Mm -hmm. So they weren't they weren't putting up a buttload of points. They only averaged 69 points per game last year and quite frankly, they were abysmal from three-point range. They shot less than 29% from deep, and they weren't great from the free-throw line either. They only shot 60, less than 64%. So if they, if they can find that consistent level, like I said, and get better behind the three-point line and you know make a free-throw here and there, They probably win some of those games last year, and it'll especially help their cause for this year. Now, you don't have as many non-conference games this year to help you get prepared for uh, OVC play, but they do have a couple, and it's not going to be easy games. You know They were supposed to play Detroit Mercy. That game was postponed. So then you get thrown right into it against 10th-ranked Kentucky. They play Richmond, and they play... At Ohio State, so they don't ha- they don't have a lot of time to work on things, and the games they do have to work on is against you know premier premier talent.
1: Right. Yeah. You know I got to figure it out quickly. That's for sure.
0: So, moving on from from that, we'll uh, we'll get into some more OVC MVC teams as we get going, you know, throughout the season, but kind of give it a little bit of a twist here. We're going to do a little Thanksgiving uh Thanksgiving segment here. As Thanksgiving's basically a, you know, almost a day away since we're recording this pretty late uh, Tuesday night. And,
1: and it's the best holiday of the year in my opinion. There's no pressure, you know, Christmas you're worried about getting the right gifts for people, hoping they like it. You don't have to worry about your kids feeling like they're ungrateful or getting a gift. that You're like, what am I going to do with this thing? Well, you know, people are like, oh, what do you think? Like, it's great. I don't know. I don't have that pressure. All I have to worry about is showing up on time for meals. Uh, I think we're like most people that we're switching some things up. We're going to keep it pretty simple here at the house. But, you know, if you're gluttonous, nobody judges you. If I, if I want to take a nap, before you know like a prenap, nobody's gonna judge me it's just one of those great holidays that we have you know it's it's definitely an american holiday so i'm i'm always excited for thanksgiving
0: yeah i am too uh obviously this will be the first year i don't really get to watch you know nfl or in this (laughs) case college hoops because i gotta work but all that aside you know i really do like thanksgiving i'm always a as funny as this may sound, I love to eat food on Thanksgiving, as you know most people know, because we have that you know our talk about food a lot when we have guests on for interviews. But I'm not a big turkey guy. Really? Um, no, I'm I'm not a big turkey guy. I'm not saying I won't eat it, but when I think Thanksgiving food, turkey is the least least amount that I get excited for. I I just it' It's there. I don't care if I eat it. I don't care if I don't eat it and I, and I can't eat it plain. I gotta have it dipped in something but the food I do get excited for and and maybe most people may not even eat you know this type of food for their Thanksgiving, but whatever uh, we would go to my brother-in-law's parents a lot for Thanksgiving over in you know Missouri and. Uh-huh. They would make lasagna. There was there'd be turkey, mm. lasagna, about seven different kinds of potatoes, and, and you know, stuffing and the whole nine yards. A lot of different things to choose from, but the lasagna was impeccable. And I'm not a big lasagna person. So for me to like that lasagna, that goes a long way. And I always look forward to eating that lasagna. But my favorite food on Thanksgiving is uh, you ever had the those like cheesy potatoes with like the cornflakes on top? Yeah, I've had them before. That's my favorite, and every Friendsgiving that, that I go to, that's what I make every year. Oh, wow. And let me tell you, I have had nothing but good compliments about my cooking in that aspect, and every time I leave, I hope that there's leftovers so I can eat them you know, the following. There's never any.
1: <laughs> You're not making enough, then?
0: I mean, I, I make twice the amount it asks for. Two full <laughs> trays, and then I can't even get any leftovers. And it's like, well, I guess i got to make another batch tomorrow.
1: Well, why don't you make two batches, two smaller batches at once and then keep one at home?
0: Yeah, keep the bigger one. I'll eat off that for two weeks.
1: I didn't have to do that. Like, make the double that you do now. Just make it in two smaller dishes. Leave one dish at home. Take the other one to Friendsgiving, and... You get the best of both worlds, you're getting the compliments for your cooking, but then you get home, you still have some.
0: Yeah, but the, but then I'm that guy that if not everybody gets to try it, you know, if they hear that, oh man, this this is fire, this is so good and they don't get to try it, then I'm like, Well now I feel bad because Johnny over here didn't get to have any of the any of these great yeah. potatoes that I made. Yep.
1: Well, see, you're making it too stressful for yourself. Yeah. Don't worry about Johnny. Johnny should have gotten there sooner
0: yeah, maybe I should have a few beverages before my potatoes get eaten. then I'll be you know less stressful. <laughs> what's your uh, what's your favorite type of food, TJ, for thanksgiving?
1: my My favorite non-Turkey food is green bean casserole. Ooh, I, I just love green bean casserole, but you know a close second. Uh, my mother-in-law makes a fantastic broccoli, cheese, and rice casserole. And what's great is she makes it, but my wife's brothers don't like it. So that's just more for me. And then uh, typically in the evenings of the traditional year, we'll go over to my parents' house. And my father makes a, a great pumpkin pie. Like, I don't like anyone else's pumpkin pie like I like my own father's. And he actually makes his crust from scratch. And he's done it for years since I was a kid. And, I mean, it was so bad. and He does it for Christmas, too. It was so bad. Like, my sister and I love just the scraps. Like, he would like, get it all set up in the inside the the pie tin would have the extras that were that weren't going to get baked. We would crowd him so badly. I remember one year distinctly, like him getting very upset with us. And I, I can appreciate this as a father now. He's trying to do work, and my sister and I are trying to get the scraps. Like, <laughs> yeah. but still, it's so. There will be sometimes that he'll even keep the scraps. So when we get over there, like, we can eat those, and that's fantastic. But he makes a really good pumpkin pie. So those are the the foods that I really look forward to. And uh, but I can eat turkey. You know, it'll be turkey sandwiches. You know, for weeks and taking it to work is my lunch and oh, just fantastic stuff.
0: I guess dessert wise, you ever had any of them Buckeyes?
1: I don't know that I have. I feel I don't, I don't know why I haven't though.
0: You know what I'm talking about though? I'm not sure. So these Buckeyes, it's basically big peanut butter ball. Oh, okay, With yeah. Chocolate on the outside of them.
1: Powdered sugar? Oh, chocolate? Yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. a little bit of both. And, oh, my God, that is that is the best dessert ever. And, <laughs> I mean, I, I like it so much. When my brother-in-law's mom would, uh, you know, make those for Thanksgiving, she found out quickly that, that I, you know, very well enjoyed those Buckeyes because <laughs> I would eat like the whole plate. Nobody else would get any. I wouldn't even eat much of the actual food at that point because I was, you just know, a lasagna. I was growing up. I, you know, I was a kid at that point and could care less about the actual food. I just wanted the, the sweets. So I'd eat all mm-hmm. the Buckeyes. Nobody else would get any. <clears throat> so then for Christmas, you know, they would give, you know, give me a, some presents and one of the presents would be, it'd be wrapped up in a tin and it'd be a, tin of Buckeyes that they would make and uh, wrap up as a present. Let me tell you, that was a great gift because yeah. I knew once Thanksgiving hit, I could have Buckeyes on Thanksgiving and probably a couple days after, but I knew, I knew damn well I was getting them come Christmas time.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great to have those things you can count on.
0: Yeah, and it's pretty, I don't know if it's sad or great that I was always counting on a dessert for Christmas. Yeah. But
1: I made uh, his parents feel really good that they knew exactly what to get you, and that you would love it so much.
0: <laughs> oh! But outside of the food area for Thanksgiving, uh, when you guys have family gatherings on a, you know, over under four and a half family members, right after you eat, you know, eat your feast, uh, how many fall asleep watching football right after?
1: Am I included in that? Yes. Oh, under. I'm probably usually the only one. Really? Yep.
0: I guess I guess people in your family don't eat enough.
1: Well, I mean, we're usually with my in laws and they're they're all visiting and stuff like that. So I am kind of removed from the, the situation and so I'm sure if I was with my with my family, my parents that my dad would probably fall asleep with me but it's typically just me it's like it's expected that is gonna find a spot on the couch and <laughs> fall asleep and start snoring and uh making have to keep turning the tv up louder and louder hmm. so how about you over under four
0: i would say i guess it'd be under i don't think I think they'd be about the same three people that I think would fall asleep. Well, because Thanksgiving's kind of changed a little bit in our household. Like, we would go to, you know, brother-in-law's parents for—we went there for, like, 10 years, I feel like. You know, and then, you know, the last couple years, we've been staying closer—or we've been staying over, you know, at the house. You know, uh, our family, immediate family would come over. um, A little bit smaller of a thing because— uh with my sister having having their two kids now, you know, things we're, were trying to keep things a little bit closer to home. And so when we were going to the, you know, their in-laws, I would say then it was basically about four people. It'd be the same four people that would fall asleep during football every every year. You knew what was happening, uh-huh. you knew these people weren't participating in football outside because they are passed out on the couch. Now, with it being basically the immediate family, <laughs> I might be the only one that sleeps.
1: <laughs> well, I think the uh, at least one of the games this year will be worth sleeping through, too, though. Who's at the Dallas this way? They both have three wins. So, and then, you know, the Detroit game. And then, who knows if the Steelers and the Ravens are actually going to play Thursday night with their COVID outbreak
0: at Baltimore, so yeah it's things are up in the air it'll be interesting you know hopefully uh at least the sunday night game or not sunday night game the thanksgiving night game would be you know would be able to be seen if if it happens right so but with that uh don't really have anything else tj uh still working on some interviews for the coming coming episodes trying to get some of those nailed down uh don't can't uh, give you a tease for next week because we don't have it for a for sure guest that's nailed down for this week. But we are uh, working on some for the future, and hopefully we'll be able to get some of the coaches on that we've been in communication with. Uh, you know, find a time that works for them to come on an interview, and then we can get that for you in a episode coming up.
1: Yeah, and uh, hopefully we'll actually get to talk about games that actually happen.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, a lot of games this week, and hopefully they happen, and then. You know come next week's episode uh we're rolling all cylinders here tj yep sounds great sounds great i'm excited so with that that'll wrap up episode 24 here on view of the valleys for tj hoover and chris smith thanks for tuning in be sure to tune in next week as we roll on with episode 25 be sure to subscribe to the podcast on apple And give us a follow on Twitter, at ViewValleysPod. Have a safe week, and happy Thanksgiving.
1: Have a good one, everybody.